say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need Hello everyone and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo and wow, 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 do we have a great book. I'm telling you, we have a great book, great guest. Folks, let me just tell you something. Here's the deal. Have you ever wanted to be famous? Well, you really don't. You really don't want to be famous, right? But maybe you want to be micro-famous. And you say to me, but Jay, I don't know that I really want to be micro-famous. Okay, hold on. Let's let's, let's just back off on the ledge for just a second here. I'm going to look at you right in the eye, all right? As you're driving down the road, do not look at me in your whatever you're listening to, okay? Just, I'm looking you in the eye, though, okay? All six feet, four inches of me is looking you dead in the eye and saying this. Look. Your business, all right, let's talk about this, because this is a business book. I know it says micro-famous, become famously influential to the right people, but it's a business book, because here's the deal. If your business is not dealing with the right people, guess what you're doing? You are not doing what you could be doing. And here's probably why, because you probably don't have, as my friend Matt Johnson says, who wrote this book, a clear and compelling idea. And you're probably trying to be everything to everybody, which means you're nobody to nobody. Right? So that's the deal. So anyway, we're going to talk to Matt Johnson about Microfamous. How do you, listen, you're going to, you're going to love the show. I don't care what you do. Attorneys, uh, real estate people, consultants, coaches, I don't care who you are. This book is for you. Matter of fact, you know what? Listen to me. Insurance agents, uh, find people in the financial, right? I've got, hey, you know what? My friends at Merrill Lynch, my friends at Wells Fargo, mortgage lenders. You know what? Here's the deal. This book's for you. All right? It, it's literally for anyone. You know what? Even you retail folks, you know what? You, I know that there are some of you who own like a floor shop and you say, well, it's probably not for me. Oh, no, it is. It's for you too. Because you could be doing things with your own private business that you don't even realize that you could be doing because you have not created. You know what you haven't created? Your new media machine. That's what you haven't created. But guess who's going to help us walk through that? Matt Johnson is going to do that. But before we get to Matt and introduce him because he's awesome, let's do what we do every week, right? Here's the deal. Listen, we're dealing with really odd times. Let's be honest with you, right? And we're only as good as our training is, right? And, and, you know, so often when we think of training, we think of the physical, but the truth of the matter is that is important. It's incredibly important, but you know what, how are you doing in your training mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Because when things get tough, when things get bad, when things get rough, when you are exhausted and when you are tired, and as Dr. Golston told us last week, you know what happens? Your amygdala kicks in and you're only as good as your training. So I'm going to ask you on a scale of one to 10, one being my training is just awful and 10, man, my training is so awesome. All right. I'm going to ask you the four areas. First area, how are you doing physically with your training, right? That's the easy one, right? I know that the gyms may not be open where you live. You know what? Got to tell you something. Went to Home Depot, bought $1.65 cinder blocks. I'm lifting every day, right? Lifting buckets of water every day. I am pushing a 400-pound rolling cart up and down hills every day. I put 60 pounds in a backpack and walk a couple miles every day. There's things that you could do physically, but it's not just a physical exercise, which is so important. You need to be eating right. You need to be getting enough sleep. You need to be drinking enough water, right? 
And by the way, there is no way you're going to execute Matt's book if you're not physically in good shape. You can't. I'm just telling you, you can't do it. That's why you, if you, if your business is sagging, you, you should be taking a look. What's your physical, what's your physical part of you training look like? Right? So on a scale of one to 10, where are you at? Five is average. All right. So let's move on to the next thing. Your mental training. All right. You got mental training. Do you know what the, let me tell you something about mental training. Do you know what the difference is between the mental training of really successful people and the mental training of not so successful people? Let me give it to you. Here's the deal. I'll make it really simple. Really not successful people have big screen TVs that are huge. Really successful people have really big shelves of books. Like like lots of big shelves of books. And you know what? They may have a big screen TV. They don't turn it on because they're too busy trying to learn and read and grow and become wiser and become better at what they do, become better at what, what they understand and how people work. And they try to be better in the relationships and they try to be better in understanding their skills. They try to be under, understand what the opportunities are out there. That's what really successful people do. That's how they train. They train every day. Did you know that Warren Buffett reads like 500 pages a day? 500 pages a day. He's not very successful, though, so I guess we should throw him out the window, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Folks, I'm just telling you, you need to start digging in. Stop letting things come at you. Start being active in your training. Pursue goodness. Pursue reading the right things. Pursue getting into the right things. Learn a foreign language. That'll help both sides of your brain. Learn a new instrument. That'll help both sides of your brain. But be active in your training mentally. All right, so scale of 1 to 10, 1, you're miserable at your training, 10, you're awesome. What's your number? Okay, you got two numbers, physically, mentally. Emotionally, right? How do we train emotionally? How do we train emotionally? You know why? Because you have a choice. When that person cuts you off in the midst of traffic, you know, you can train yourself not to be upset. Yeah, It's going to require some, guess what? It requires effort, doesn't it? When somebody does you wrong and you have to make a choice that you're not going to be angry, it requires effort, doesn't it? That's training. How about when somebody wants to tell you something that's important to them and it's really emotional and you know what they want? They want you just to listen and understand their emotion. Guess what that is? That's training. Being able to tap into the emotions of another human being, that's training. Being able to want to do it and truly understand it and have the vocabulary to know what those emotions are. That's training. So then you got to ask yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how's my emotional training going? Because you could do something about it, but you have to make that choice. It's because emotional training, all of this is intention and action. But it's, it's, it's taking action with your emotions. All right, so you got three numbers, right? And then finally, the last number, the spiritual number. And I know some of you go, I'm, I'm, I'm not really very spiritual. Y- you are. Do you know why I know you're spiritual? Because do you have any plans in the future at all? It's a, it's a simple yes or no question. Do you have any plans in the future, yes or no? If the answer is yes, then that means you have faith that they're going to happen because you don't know if they're going to happen, but you believe that they will. I don't know how you describe spiritual, but spiritual has to do with faith. Huh? Huh? Right? Everybody wants to go ahead and you want to apply all this stuff. Listen, it can be about God, 
But you know what it's really about? It's really about what centers you, what brings you back to what brings you back to your core, what gets you to be at peace. I've said this before, and I will say it again. You know what? Being spiritual is not going to church and thinking about fishing. Being spiritual is going fishing and thinking about God. Okay, that's being spiritual. All right. So whatever that is for you, how is your training going? How are you doing building your faith? How are you doing getting back to center? How are you doing getting at that place that you can't explain, but you know it takes you there where you can all of a sudden know that you're at peace? Right? So you've got four numbers, right? Think of those as the legs of a chair. If the legs of the chair are uneven, right, it really does bad things for our posture. By the same token, if the legs of the chair are too low, what happens? We can't eat at a normal table. So we want to bring the legs of our chair up to the place where we can be at the right height, where we can where we can actually be the person that we've always, always dreamed that we could be and that people sometimes see it in us. And speaking of someone who sees the potential in you, his name is Matt Johnson. And Matt Johnson, is uh, he, he has a marketing agency and he's a founder, a podcaster, he's a musician. I've yet to hear his music, but I'm going to. Matt runs a podcast, launch a production agency based in San Diego and an international team that helps business coaches, consultants, thought leaders. He's going to help your business, all businesses, uh, use and do podcasting and he tracks audiences and builds influence and he helps them become what we see in this book, Micro Famous. Matt is author of this book, Microfamous, currently hosts the Microfamous podcast, and he is a frequent podcast guest. And when I mean frequent, the, I'm just telling you, my man is frequently all over the place. I'm telling you, he really is. You probably <laughs> have heard him more than just my show. He's an event speaker to audiences around the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to A New Direction, Matt Johnson. Welcome, brother. <laughs> What's up, man? I feel like I need a la- like either laugh track or an audience applause track that goes along with that introduction because it's really hyped. And then there's nobody, nobody, there's no physical live response. It's the worst part of, po- of podcasting. Uh, it, it is the worst part. But you know what? I, I have this crazy imagination, man. So I just listen to it in my head and I don't care. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's good. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah, I probably have, I probably actually have a track here on my board that's actually, actually somewhere that you can... should totally do that sometime. I, yes. I, I, I mean, like a 10 thousand arena you know like right like like uh yeah uh, a huge band like metallica just played a sign finished a song <laughs> and the wave of applause that comes up from thousands of people that is what i want the next time. We're gonna, i'm gonna have to do that i'm gonna have to do this giant i'm just gonna have to do the giant track i'm gonna have to make that happen <laughs> so the the book micro famous becoming famously influential to the right people which by the way has been brilliant i told you i read it twice i've got 30 <laughs> pages of notes on this thing uh, which we are not going to be able to make it through all today. No. But right in your introduction, you tell us what the book is about. And you say this book is for thought leaders working to build a simple, profitable business that grows without locking us into a business we hate. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a tremendously profound statement. Will you expand on that for us a little bit when you say locking us into a business we hate? I think we could kind of maybe yeah. get some of the answer, but, but help us expand that out. Yeah, so the the businesses that we hate, I think we get into those types of businesses when we bought into what I would call a myth or even a lie, which is that if we just create enough content, the sales will come. And that's been the biggest myth of the last 10 or 15 years in the online world. And so if you're someone that's from the outside looking in and you're feeling guilty because you're not online enough, you feel it. If you're in the online world and you're trying to get clients that way, uh, you really feel it because you feel like you're not producing enough client, you know, enough 
uh, content. You're not in as many places as you should be. So it's this weird guilt complex that we all have where either we're glued to our phone all the time or we're feeling guilty when we're not glued to our phone because we feel like that's the answer. And uh, I just think that even in the rare occurrences where that works, where you just pump out a bunch of content and it produces sales, all you do is you end up locking yourself into a business you hate because the time that you take away from it, you feel guilty for not pushing the business forward. And I know a lot of people like that. So that's what I wanted to help people with this particular approach is break out of that cycle of just producing a bunch of content or feeling guilty whenever you're not producing content. This, it's a problem. You talk about this over and over in the book because we – we we flurry. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much here because the, the, the tr- <laughs> because because we do flurry. We have this tendency yeah. to do things in flurries, and we get really excited about something, and then we you know we go woo and we start doing all this stuff that's like you say is half baked, and never yeah. really cooked and done. But I want to you divide the book into three sections, and I want people to hear that there's three sections of this book because I think it's really really important that they understand that the first section is strategy, the second. Uh, the second section is systems, and the third section is tactics. And the danger for you, I think, the listener I'm speaking to, not the danger for Matt, because Matt's in no danger whatsoever. But the danger, I think, for you as a listener is that you're going to want to jump right to tactics. Mm-hmm. And and am I wrong? Am I wrong on that, Matt? Because I think we no, we, we right because we we don't I don't think we want to understand the foundation of where we're at. And strategy, system, and tactics. Why did you choose strategy, system, and tactics in that order? Because you know people are going to want to jump right to tactics. Yeah. And you can tell. And whatever your business is, whatever your clients and customers ask you, it's always tactical. So you know it. You see it just in your own business. Um, That's what people want to go to because that's the easiest thing to think about. It's just, I don't want to know about all this stuff. Just tell me what to do. And the problem is, like I, I saw this in the podcasting world, but you can extrapolate this to anything. All the battles for whether a podcast grows or not, most of those battles were won, were fought and won or lost before a show ever was released and published. And the same goes for if you open up a Great Clips and a strip mall, mm-hmm. right? The battles for whether that business actually grows or not has way more to do with the strategy of what the business is and who it speaks to than the little stuff and the little flurries of marketing activity that you do along the way. So we kind of have this idea that, well – just get an just take an idea, just execute, and it'll all be fine, right? Because success is just the accumulation of little little things over time. Right. And unfortunately, that part of it's not true because if we you can spend a long time pounding away at an average idea, and somebody can come along with a better idea and half-ass execute it and and take off because right. it was the right idea. And so I, I saw that happening a lot, and that's a lesson that uh, that we can all learn. So take a step back breathe a little bit. Right. Um, and that's what I hoped that people would do is look, just set the tactics aside for a second. It's not about you, what you're going to post on Facebook today, take a step back and let's think bigger picture. Because if you get that right, everything else down the road is easy. Uh, we're talking with Matt Johnson, author of the book Microfamous, uh, become famously influential to the right people. By the way, the book's available on Amazon, bookstores everywhere. You can find it. He's uh, absolutely outstanding. And as you can, as you can tell, he is, done this so many times he actually could be doing my show i could actually just walk away from the microphone right now and he would be just fine i'll just let him ask his own questions um so in part one strategy by the way by the way he's i I can he doesn't know this but i could see him laughing while he sips his coffee and it's actually quite funny so anyway so so, uh part one strategy 
the battle for attention and the, the chapter is called Fight to Win. And I loved that I loved the way you opened this chapter because every business that exists out there is we're trying to fight for attention, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're trying to do, right? Yep. But, but there's elements of the battle, and we better be fighting to win. Hopefully, we're fighting to win for it. I mean, because if you're not fighting to win, there's yeah. no reason to fight, in my opinion. But, right, exactly. Right, but there's there's elements of the battle, and you call you call it attention weapons and opponents, and then um, you have a common opponent. Can we just run through you know the idea of you know attention and how we're trying to go about that? Who our opponents are? Do you mind running through that a little bit? Yeah. So basically, just understanding what what the components of the battle are. So you've got your weapons, which is the content that you create. So the second that you create any sort of content and put it online, you have officially entered. The, the battlefield, so to speak, the battle the battleground of attention. So the opponents are the people and the businesses out there that are trying to serve your same ideal clients, and, and basically they're solving the same problem that you solve. Now, they may do it differently, but they're uh, they're serving the same types of people that you want to serve, and they're solving the same kind of problem. Those are the people that you're competing directly against. But no matter who we are, we all have the same common opponent, which is the noise of just all the stuff online, the advertising, the organic content, the pictures of what they someone had for lunch, like that is the playing field that we're all kind of thrown into whenever we try to create content and attract people online. And we all have that common opponent. And the question becomes, well, man, how do I cut through all this noise? Because that's all it is, just nothing but constant nonstop chatter. 10 to 20 to 30,000 brand messages a day is what hits the average person. Mm. And uh, Jay, I would bet it's got to be double that now with the lockdowns and stuff, how much more time people are spending on TV and social media. Good God. 50, 60,000 brand messages a day. Easily. So it's like, how does your one piece of content going to attract attention? And and that, that kind of sets the scene for the battle that we're in. And why does it matter whether you win or not? Well, it matters a lot. Um, you know, a friend of mine wrote a book called Play Bigger, and they just took a look at all the companies over the last 20 years and their positions in the market. And essentially, the number one company in any category took 76% of the economics of that category. Wow. Most of the revenue, the majority, the vast majority of the profits, right? I mean, it's one thing to have revenue. It's another thing to actually keep it, right? So guess who the most profitable companies were? Well, they were the number one people in their space. Right. And I think we lose sight of that. Um, you know, you can carve out niches that are geographic. You know, you can be the number one real estate agent in a neighborhood of a thousand homes. Nothing wrong with that. That'll make you a very nice living. Um, or you can be the number one coach in a certain niche area, and that'll make you a very nice living. But you have to choose something because you got to find something you can be number one in because that's where all the profit lives. Uh, by the way, that... So I know we're going to get much deeper into this because, you know, I loved what you said. You know, there's number one and then there's number two and then everybody else is fighting for scraps. Yeah. Right. I yeah, mean, and ev- that's the unfortunate truth. But it's, it's all based in the way our minds work. Right. It's just, you know, like being being number one in the space is really about it's not about domination and it's not about competition even so much. It's about consideration. Mm. It's about being considerate to the people that you want to hire you and clearly explaining that you are the right person for something and you're not for everyone else. Like that's being considerate, not being dominant right. and over competitive, if, if that makes sense. No, it does. It makes sense. But I think this is where it leads, where you lead you know, immediately into this chapter, where you lead into, this is why influence becomes so imperative that we have mm-hmm. influence, right? And, yeah. you know, you talk about the, in, the three elements of influence, authority, visibility, and relationships. And, you know, this is where, this is where, you know, you start, 
we, you start to develop where I think is a beautiful foundation of the pyramid as we work our way up to the new media, um, the new media strategy that we're about to put together here. But I mean, it's really important that we understand that influence, right? I, I mean, it's it's that influence that's critical to, that's one at least one of the pieces that's critical for us, right? For us to be truly a leader. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the bottom line is if you can't get somebody off the couch and moving, you don't have much influence. Right. And that's, that's what we're missing right now is we have a lot of content and not a lot of people taking action on the content they're consuming. And, uh, so one of the things that drove it home for me was years ago, I was producing a podcast for uh, a friend and client of mine and I was actually an equity holder in the coaching consulting business. So we were running a podcast together. So I got to see this all firsthand and I watched as we shifted from him having to have a whole bunch of conversations and Facebook messages and texting back and forth and phone calls and all this stuff to get people to come to a $2,000 workshop to learn how he built his seven figure business to two years later of us running the podcast together, people going to his website, paying $3,000. So we got a nice price hike out of it, paying $3,000 without talking to anyone, putting uh, their registration down on a website, putting their credit card information in, hopping on a plane, buying a ticket at their own expense, and showing up at his office and they would walk in the door for the workshop and he had no idea who they were. That's the power of influence, right? You took people that needed a lot of nurturing, a lot of handholding just to convert into a lower priced customer and you turn them into somebody that needed virtually zero handholding and zero communication and turn them into an even higher value customer. That's the power of building influence online. So that was like a really visceral, hard hitting real life example that, that I can pull from my past and it really drove the point home that influences that missing link. His name's Matt Johnson, and the book is called Microfamous, and he's joining us here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, I want to just tell you something really quick. Did you know that we have these two great sponsors? First of all, I talk to him about all the time. One of them is Epic Physical Therapy. And listen, they work with professional athletes. And not only professional athletes, they work with professional athletes from all over the world. Literally, I have seen professional golfers. I've seen uh, uh, men and women who play overseas uh, in different sports come into Epic Physical Therapy. I have seen uh, I, I've, I, I've seen just so many different types of professional athletes, but you know what else? They also work with the young athletes to help them improve. Not only that, they work with people like me who injure themselves because they think they're an athlete. That's who they work with. And you know what? They're awesome. I love them. They, You will too because here's the deal. They're going to provide you with a custom treatment plan tailored to fit your individual needs. Look, it's not – they understand it's it, it they need to understand they need to treat the whole body not just not just your symptoms or the injury so when you're ready for epic relief epic recovery and epic results don't look any further go to epic physical therapy that's epicpt.com e p i c pt.com and a longtime sponsor linda craft and team realtors hey it doesn't matter where you're at in the world listen linda and her team can help you find the right professional the best professional the excellence in professionalism wherever you live. Why? Because for 35 years, they've been at the top of the game creating relationships. Not just relationships with their customers and clients, but great relationships with professionals all over the world. So they, and because they, you know what, they, they don't have an affiliation with a major company at all. They're their own company. They don't pick somebody from the same company. They pick the best people that are available wherever you live. That's awesome, right? And so, you know what? Why not go with somebody who's created the relationship and really for 35 years knows who's excellent and who's not? 
That's Linda Craft and Team Realtors. Check them out. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on a new direction, and we are with Matt Johnson and his book, Micro Famous. And we have spent uh, just talking about, we haven't got out of chapter one. <laughs> we haven't even got out of chapter. I got I got thirty some odd pages of notes, folks. You're gonna be you're gonna be with us until next week as this how long? Right. Matt is not going to sleep. I am keeping him here is what I'm going to do. No, it's awesome. So let's jump into choosing a winning strategy uh, b- before we get out of before I get out of this chapter because this cha- this chapter really is critical to the rest of the book, and and that's what I, f- I found that this is because you say. Strategy determines who wins. And in the world of thought leaders, we see two very different strategies uh, being used to win. And you go, some thought leaders say something so surprising, so compelling, and so polarizing that it immediately cuts through the noise. And then some thought leaders say something less compelling, yet they say it so frequently and so consistently that they break through the noise and sheer volume. Let's talk about those two strategies. Which one Which one do you, do you kind of lean towards? Which do you think is better? Is one better than the other? Maybe they're both equal. What do you think? You wrote it. Well... They're 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 just they're two sides of the same coin essentially. And look, if you are if you're not a super deep thinker, uh, if you just love Gary Vee and love to hustle and love to grind, by all means, go for it and and say it till the cows come home. Because eventually you'll hit some point where you say it often enough that somebody's going to notice, right? Like that strategy works. Um, what the problem is, is that if you're not that person, right? Mm. Let's say you love your family and would like to spend more than 20 minutes a day with them. I don't know, maybe that's. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how Gary Vee does it. I mean, well, I mean, I partially know because he has 19 people on his brand content team. Right, so, right. so if you want to be Gary Vee, get ready to hire someone is what I always tell people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but let's talk someone. about Simon Sinek for a second because I, I love his approach. So Simon Sinek comes on the scene r- roughly the same time. You know, he's been on the scene for about 10 years or so. But he comes out with an idea. And that initial TED Talk and that first book, Start With Why, such a clear and compelling idea. So incredible. Really tough touched on something that was going on at the time, you know, the, just the dissatisfaction with people's work and, and feeling underappreciated, um, you know, feeling like they were disposable in their company. Like there, he just touched on a, a lot of pain, right? And he right. came up with an idea that was so clear and so compelling to tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions of people just in the U.S. alone. That is not easy to do. Now, if you have an idea like that, that, that same sort of phenomenon might happen to you. And that's awesome when it does. But for most of us that want to be micro famous, we want a six or seven figure business that's simple and profitable. That does not lend itself to being on the road for 48 weeks a year speaking, trying to get that sort of a message out there. Right. Right. Most of the clients that I know don't want to be on the road that much. They want to have a good, solid, dependable business that's simple. It drives profit. It gives them a great lifestyle. So it's like, well, how do you have that same type of effect without going the other direction, going all Gary Vee and spending 14 hours a day on social media in your mom's basement. Well, <laughs> that, that's where something like Microfamous comes in because it's basically taking that approach of coming up with a really clear and compelling idea. But what happens is when you shrink the battlefield and you say, okay, I'm not going to worry about everyone. I'm only going to worry about this very, very focused group of people that I really care about and that I want to serve. What do they care about? What's the message that I can deliver that will cut through the noise because it speaks to that smaller group of people at such a clear and compelling deep level that once they hear it, they can't unhear it. Once they hear my idea, once they hear my message, they cannot unhear it, right? And when you when you focus on that smaller group of people, coming up with that sort of an idea that's that powerful is actually a lot easier 
In fact, most of the people that I know that I run across in the coaching consulting world, they have that. They just don't realize they do because they spend so much of their time trying to find something that speaks to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that they spin their wheels for years trying to find that Simon Sinek kind of message that will get them mass numbers of followers. And then they'd stumble over the people that would gladly pay them seven figures a year. Yeah, this is this is this is where the the, the psychology of the pe- of people's minds are. We could get so easily twisted. Yeah. Right. As a psychological professional, one thing that I know is that you know we always look for the easiest, what we perceive as the easiest route to get from point A to point B. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so often, and and you didn't say it this way, but this is what you're saying in this book is so often what we do is we think if we get a big enough net. And we put enough people in it, we can sort through all those people and we'll find the right people. But it's really the wrong strategy because by the time that you do find the right people, they've already gone to someplace else. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you're out on the ocean in like a, like a John boat, a dinghy. Um, so, <laughs> so even if you manage to get that net wrapped around a lot of people, right. you won't know what to do with them if you got them. Right. It, right. Yeah, that's the other that's the other piece of it, right? You, you, yeah. you know, and so what happens is, you know, when I had somebody write, I don't know if you saw it on LinkedIn, but when I posted the promo of the show, the guy said, he he said, I, he said on the on on his thing, he said, when I finally made the had the courage and decision to just go after my specific group of people, it was the best mm-hmm. thing that happened to my business. But you talk about it's not easy, is it, to do make that decision? No, and that's exactly what it takes is courage. But here, here's here's the decision that you have to make. So you say, look, there there are people that I run across every day who have names and faces and they're real to me and they can cut me a check. But they want all kinds of different stuff done. But it's really hard to say no to them because they're real. They're right in front of your face and they've got names and faces and checkbooks. The problem is the the six and seven figure simple profitable business you want, you won't get by serving those people. You get it by developing one thing for one type of person and go find those people out there that will pay you, but you they don't have names and faces yet because you haven't met them. Mm. But they, they are out there. And that's the hardest or one of the hardest decisions you will ever make in business is to turn down the person who's right in front of you that has their hand on the checkbook that wants to pay you for something like that's not really what I do or that's right. that's you know it's yeah I really don't want to offer that product I really don't want to offer that program but I've got somebody who wants to write me a check for it the hardest decision is to tell them no we don't do that because I serve this group of people and we do this one thing for them because that's the thing that we can do best and that's the biggest impact we can make in the world but I will say they are out there especially yeah. when you're talking about online any niche that you can think of, I don't care if it's knitting. There's a whole <laughs> underground community of podcasts for knitting people, knitters. I, I know. I am not a knitter. I, I'm neither. It, it exists. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no niche too small just about. I mean, realistically, uh, who was it? John, John Lee Dumas um, yeah. said, niche down till it hurts. That's a great way to describe it. Start there. Like niche down so far that it hurts, then maybe expand a little bit. Right. Because odds are you're very rarely ever going to choose a niche that's too small. More likely it's the opposite. You're always choosing a niche that's too big. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Matt Johnson, author of the book Microfamous. Uh, by the way, he's walking us through uh, how to really be more influential and the things that you need to have the courage to do if you want your business truly to succeed in today's world. Really, you really do. Uh, no, you, you, I mean, this show was built on, I was going to do, I, I only do authors 
right? Mm-hmm. This is my niche. I only do authors who are, talk about success and leadership in life and business. That's it. Mm-hmm. Y- yep. y- y- yeah, I, there's, I, a, there's a million universes of things you could have done a podcast on. Right. But if you want to talk about a variety of things, you got to talk to the same type of person over and over and over again and do exactly what you're doing. You have the same format. Right. People know exactly what to expect. Yep. They know they're going to get turned on to a new book when they show up. Right. Like, yeah, it's it, it just that those are the kinds of things that work. So you can get what you want, right. which is you want interesting, diverse conversations, but you focus on one element of it so people right. know what they're going to get when they show up. Well, that, right. Well, and that's – see, this is the thing. Like I, I have said – I have said often when I coach – um, people who say, you know, let's move into this market or let's do this. If you have the words, when you say the words, well, I could do that, right? Mm-hmm. That that tells me immediately you shouldn't. <laughs> I feel the same way anytime I hear somebody say, oh, I can do both. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like, no, no, you, no, no, you can't. No, no, don't, right? Because, I mean, that's the point of the book. Whenever you say, well, you know, it could bring in some extra I could do that. No, 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 no. Whenever you say you could or I can – you should not. You you should <laughs> yeah. not because that's not that's I, I'm telling you, and so is so is Matt. That's not part of your niche, right? So yeah. you you talk about build really influence through through authority, uh, visibility, and relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you know I th- I think one of the things that we fall into a trap here, and you do talk about it, is that you say. Attention, attention doesn't translate directly into sales, does it? Talk about why. Yeah. Well, because right now we have a lot of things vying for people's attention, and it's hard enough to get their attention even with something that's free, let alone asking them to take a next step and buy anything. Mm-hmm. So I think there was, a, there was a little niche of time you know, when the internet first started to explode where – there's a lot of niches where there's essentially just one person online and that person was creating content and there just wasn't a lot of selection. And so it created this idea that if you just put content online, you'll generate sales. Well, now everybody's hip to that strategy, right? Everybody's creating right. online content. There's 150 million blogs. There's almost a million podcasts. Um, if you're in any type of coaching, consulting, thought leadership, or even if you run a brick and mortar, it doesn't matter. Most niches are online, at least if they've got a website and a blog. So it's like, okay, well, back to reality, right? Attention never did automatically convert into sales. It was a little blip in the history of humanity where it looked like it did, and now it's back to reality. So it still comes down to the fundamentals of who do you serve, what do you offer them that's different, and how are you going to reach them? So that's, that's always been the same. Now, there's still some really great tools, you know, starting a podcast is easier than ever, doing a Facebook Live like we're doing here, easier than ever. So there's some really great, amazing tactical tools of how to get your message out. But because they're so easy, the market is flooded with people doing the same thing. And so now it's reverted to where the thing that's rare is the idea that's clear and compelling. Someone doing a podcast or a Facebook Live isn't rare anymore. What's rare is the idea. Right. Well, no, it's, it's not. But I do it anyway. Um, because mm-hmm. people do show up and listen and, and they, you know, you know, a thousand views later, I'm quite happy mm-hmm. with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> exactly, I'm not unhappy. But it's not the medium that necessarily matters as much as the message that's being delivered in that medium. Oh, Matt. That's what makes it unique. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Matt, you are that good. You are attracting that, that kind of attention. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, I mean, you're a good looking guy. I mean, it's, I should have actually had you on video. I know you recommend that I do that. I didn't do that. I mean, I should have done that. I, I did. It's in this tactical section and everything. I know. Oh, you did. I, 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 you know, 
folks, listen, when you see his picture, I mean, you've seen Mike post his picture. I mean, he's a good looking guy. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having a bromance or a man crush or anything like that, but maybe a little, but no, he is. He's good. <laughs> and I should have had him on video because he recommends doing it. The, the, you know, the, one of the other things is right with the whole social media thing, we kind of think that, you know, we can become famous by getting all this attention. Mm-hmm. Right. But that has, how much money does that put in anybody's pocket? <laughs> not, sadly, not a lot, as evidenced by the many, many Instagram influencers who can't afford to pay their rent. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I used to say this in my psychology class, you know, on social media when I was when I wrote the first book, and I would I, I would say to them, I would say, how many of you? I would I say, raise your hand. How many of you would call all your friends up on your cell phone or text them, tell them to come over, go to your bathroom? Put on a negligee and say, watch me take a picture. <laughs> nobody would raise their Hopefully hand. Hopefully not many. No, nobody would raise their hand. But it's everybody does it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I can't imagine how much money they're getting for that. I, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's a strange and interesting world. Yeah, but uh, it's – it's very odd. The lengths that people will go to to attract attention is all based on that myth, the fact that attention automatically translates into money. Uh, I mean, so I, I watched somebody ask Gary Vee this question on a Facebook Live or something here a few months ago, and he's like, dude, I'm creating all this content. I'm doing all this stuff, and it just the money's not coming in. He's like, well, what are you offering? Do you have anything for sale? He's like, well, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to look for sponsors and stuff. He's like, okay, all right. So then he has to like backtrack and, and tell him seven different things to do because right. there's just the ideas out there, you know, attention right. equals sales. And, uh, and if you don't have that in-between thing, now you can fill that in-between gap in a couple of ways. You can fill it with sales skills, right? You can right. just get people on the phone or get people in messages and sell them. You can, you can fill that gap with speaking skills, right? You can go on stage and you can speak from stage and you can sell. Right. But – Neither of those things are super scalable, right? They, they're they both right. very, very time dependent. So the idea with Microfamous is rather than trying to fill that gap between attention and sales with more stuff you have to do, fill it with content that's strategic because then it builds your influence and the influence is what closes that gap and generates sales. And it isn't dependent on you speaking more. It isn't dependent on you going to more networking events. And it isn't dependent on you getting more and more and more people on sales calls only for 90 of them to not be a good fit. Because that's a that's just, that again, it all goes back to the introduction of the book. Do you want a messy, complex, you know, complex, unprofitable business, or do you want it to be simple, profitable, and rewarding? Right. Um, that's the difference. Uh, okay, so since you've decided to lead me in this direction, <laughs> and you've baited me here, I'll go. So, Matt, I'm just going to ask it just like, you know, because I'm an interviewer, I'm just going to, Matt, so, hmm, influence. Gee, Matt, what are the three stages of influence? <laughs> I felt like you. I felt like you were like walking me right. I was like, okay, well, he wants yeah, to go. Not he necessarily, wants, but uh, he, I appreciate he, that you he, thought I was that zen. I, I was like going. I was like going, man. He's trying to tell me to go get known. The three stages of influence. Get known. Get known. Hey, go. Okay, I'm going, Matt. All right. Anyway, so, oh, yeah. Man. So you so you talk about get seen, get noticed, get known. Talk about those yeah. three stages. Okay. Well, I'll talk about it from the perspective of what this looks like online. So get seen is when you're producing content. And, um, you know, people just kind of notice, oh, you know, Jay, I, I've kind of I've seen him around. Right. But they don't really know what you do. They just see you producing content. Right. The next stage, if you if you do that consistently, you'll get to the next stage, which is where you start to get recognized and noticed. Right. It's like, oh, Jay. OK, a new direction. He's written a couple of books. I think he's a marketing guy, maybe some doing some coaching. Like you start to get that momentum where people don't just go. I've seen that guy before they go. Oh, that's Jay. 
right. and he does a new direction and he's a marketing guy, right? right? Whatever the case is. So, and that's where most people get stuck. They get stuck because they don't ever focus in on one thing that they talk about enough to where they hit what I would call the tipping point of influence, which is the point where you decide what you want to be known for and you hammer away at that message for long enough until the market agrees with you and goes, yeah, Jay is the, Jay is the new direction guy. Right. Right. Because that's when you go, okay, now I'm known for something. That's right. that third stage of influence. So it's a, it's a tipping point where you go from that just being seen and getting noticed and people kind of know, and you look a little bit familiar and people know a little bit about you too. Oh, Matt's the micro famous guy. Matt right. launches and produces podcasts for thought leaders. Like I am known right. for something, right? That's right. that stage that we all want to get to. Um, the best example that I can give of that, which I gave in the book is John Maxwell, right? If you're right. a meeting planner, if you're somebody that puts on an event and you want somebody to speak on leadership, guess what? It's John Maxwell and it's everybody else. Right. You know, like right. that's just, that's just it. Yeah. Uh, who else writes as many books on leadership? Nobody. Uh, uh, no, 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 no one, Matt. No one on the planet. No yeah. one on the planet um, does. <laughs> so for most people now, not for everyone, but right. for a pretty good chunk of people, when you, if you ask somebody who is the leading authority on leadership, it's going to be John Maxwell. And that's, that's the power of being number one in that space. Now, there's all kinds of other niches that are still open, wide open for somebody to claim them. But we already have a Seth Godin. We already have a Gary Vee. So right. if you want to be known for hustle, good luck. Gary Vee's got a lock on that. Right. If you want to be known for marketing, Seth Godin's probably right. going to beat you. You know, So get known for something else and choose carefully, and you still can get known for that one thing. And you can hit that tipping point where the market goes, yeah, Jay is that guy. We're talking with Matt Johnson, author of the book, Micro Famous. Love this, right? Become famously influential to the right people. We're going to talk about shrinking the battlefield right after this. Hey, folks, listen, you know what? You know I love my peeps, right? I mean, I got these great sponsors, and they have been with me so long. Epic Physical Therapy. They offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G and Anti-Gravity Mill Treadmill. It takes pressure off your joints so you can still run. The Normatec compression sleeves. You know my favorite, the Game Ready. Fill that thing with like 38 to 40 degree water. Compress that bad boy right over your knees and joints. Oh, man, that's fantastic. That's just a few of the things. And look, here's the other thing. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including the blood flow restriction therapy, BFR. Dry needling, which I really, really like. And cupping. By the way, if you've seen swimmers, right, in the Olympics with those little circles on their backs, it's cupping. What they're doing is they're manipulating the muscle through the skin. It's really, really cool, and it really does work. I know. I've had those circles, and they really do work. So listen, if you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, go nowhere else. Go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's E-P-I-C-P-T dot com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, listen, you know what? They're located in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina, but they help people all over the world and the U.S. finding the right expert to help people sell their home and buy their home. They are simply fantastic, and for 35 years, there is a reason why they stay at the top of their game. Most businesses are gone by the time they get to 35 years. Not Linda, not her team. They stay right at the top year after year. Why? Well, here, I'll tell you why. It's because it's about the relationships. It's not about the sales. Even Matt Johnson talks about relationships and how important they are in building the right relationships in order to create for yourself a great business. That's part of being microfamous. You know what? Linda Kraft maybe have borrowed some of Matt Johnson's stuff because she's microfamous. Why? Because of the relationships she builds and because she has a really cool, compelling, and clear idea of who she is as a real estate per professional in the Research Triangle Park. 
right? So listen, when it comes down to finding the right real estate professional, no matter where you live, or even if you're in the Research Triangle Park, look no further than Linda Craft and Team Realtors. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction and uh, with Matt Johnson, who I, I, I just love the dude. I mean, I'm, I'm having a blast with him. I hope you are, Matt. I hope you're having some fun on A New Direction and having enjoying the show. Join the show. Yes, absolutely. Good. That's that's awesome. You can, you, I'll send you the five dollars later for saying that on the air. I appreciate that. <laughs> I thought we agreed on ten. This was, <laughs> was it ten? Travesty. This oh, was it, was it was it was it ten? Was it ten dollars? Okay, Matt. Ten dollars it is. If that's what you say. Okay, that's great. So, uh, I, before we before we went on break, uh, one of the things they said was, which shrinking the battlefield, shrinking the battlefield. Which, um, and then we're going to jump out of this and move on. But you talk about several things when it comes to shrinking uh, a battlefield. First of all, it's creating a niche, which we've talked about at, at, at length already. And then, you know, creating that person, combining. We've talked a little bit about um, we can exist, you know, we can combine existing niches that can make a more focused and defined niche. You also talk about reframing and repositioning. But the one element that I really love that you do is opposition mm-hmm. when it comes to shrinking the battlefield. So talk to us about, you know, the, the, using opposition as a way to shrink our battlefield, because I found this fascinating. Yeah, and I love this example, so I'm I'm really pumped that you asked about that one because there's a bunch of there's a bunch of ways to create you know a niche or you know combining and reframing and all this stuff, and they're all they're all in the book, and that's awesome. But the one that's one of my favorites to talk about is doing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you shrink the battlefield if you're going to choose to focus on a certain group of people or a specialized, you know, segment of your market or something like that. Like, how do you, how do you choose the right one? Right. Well, there's a great example from Jackie Chan, right? Jackie Chan is this martial arts, uh, you know, really, really famous in martial arts, but he's very different from everybody else. Like if you grew up a Bruce Lee fan, like he did, um, Bruce Lee was the legend, the icon, like he will never be surpassed. Right. And how do you grow up? Like as I'm a young martial artist in China, how do you grow up in Bruce Lee's shadow and expect to make anything of yourself in that community and in that, that line of work? So Jackie Chan looked at that problem and instead of getting discouraged, he looked at it and went, okay, how can I do the opposite of what Bruce Lee does? Okay. Well, Bruce Lee is like uh, amazing, super fast, invincible. Well, what if I did the opposite and I was more vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, even uh, and showed myself getting hurt, like did my own stunts and like showed showed the real thing happening. Um, Bruce Lee's films are pretty straightforward, right? Right. Um, what if we did something comedic? What if we did something that was almost slapstick? Mm-hmm. So he starts asking themselves these kind of questions. Just how can I do the opposite of the person who is the dominant name or the dominant brand in my space? And he ends up coming up with his own blend. He creates his own genre, basically, of this kind of comedic martial arts. I don't even know what you necessarily call it. Right. Um, but he invents his own fighting style that right. goes along with it. it. That expands into movies. He ends up being like one of the highest paid actors of all time, one of the biggest stars in the world. And it all started by doing the opposite. Right. And we can do the same thing, right? Whether you are the florist, whether you are a brick and mortar you know, business owner, whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're a coach consultant, which is the world that I run in more, um, taking what, you know, think about, you know, again, contrasting with Gary V, like if you're in that space and you want to teach people how to market their business, 
good luck just going out and being another Gary Vee because you end up just being overshadowed by him and delivering right. the same message to the same people. Well, they already got Gary Vee. So what do they, what do they need you for? Right. But if you go out and you do the opposite, it gives you a chance to cut through with a message that actually speaks really, really deeply to a smaller group of people. And, uh, and plus it's fun, like figuring out how to do the opposite. You end up coming up with some really fun and interesting combinations. You may end up creating a niche that you dominate for the next 30 years. It's really interesting that you say that because that was kind of my inspiration when I developed Coaching Mavericks, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, when I was starting the coaching, I said, I'm going to do what everybody doesn't do. I, I am, but I got to do it authentically. And you make a point of being very authentic. We have to be authentic. You can't, yeah. you, right? You can't do that. And I remember, you know, shedding the suit, going back to what I, who I was and what I am, right? I am a farm boy from Nebraska and I literally put on the cowboy boots, belt buckles, blue jeans and Stetson hat. And I literally started and I landed clients. Mm -hmm. I shed the suit and I landed clients and they go, but you're landing business clients. You're coaching, you know, business clients in je blue jeans and boots and belt buckles and hats. And I go, yeah, it's because everybody else wears an Armani suit. <laughs> I know that sounds so silly. It sounds so silly, right? That, but I'm because it makes me unique, yeah, and different. And so when people go, oh yeah, he's the he's the cowboy coach. Oh, coaching mm -hmm. Mavericks, right? He's the coaching Maverick guy. He's that mm -hmm. Maverick coach guy. So I mean, I get it and I understand it because it it, it really is, uh, it it really is taking that and going, okay, let's do the opposite of that. Right. And you're right. And what Jackie Chan did was brilliant. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that was, I mean, and it is, it is, it's martial arts comedy at its best. I want to move ahead a little bit to building a home base because I found this to be also kind of like a key building block. So what is building a home base and why is it so important? Okay. So the short story is, look, if you're going to focus on a smaller group of people, why not go after the right people first? And a lot of times the the right people is not the mainstream of your niche. Mm. So we, we talk about this in the book. There's a whole chapter on it, just how every single niche or every single market segment or every single city or suburb always breaks down into two groups of people, which is the many and the few. Right. Mm, right. So the many is the mainstream. They have mainstream taste. They're OK with what they've got. They don't typically seek out a lot of new stuff until it's put in front of them so many times they can't ignore it. Those are not the easiest people to go after right away. That's also where the most competition is. The few, on the other hand, is the upper end, the affluent, the early adopters of your space, right? So think about right. what Tesla did. Tesla did not come out with a $30,000 competitor to the Toyota Camry. Tesla came out with a $100,000 plus that only appealed to, you know, upper, like upper middle class people who also cared about the environment and were interested in an electric car, but they were not going to drive a Prius, mm -hmm. right? right? That's a pretty small niche to base an entire car car company around when you're competing against Ford and Chevy that each have 12 to 14 models in their line, who in their right mind would just come out with one car for such a small segment of the market? Well, a genius, it turns out, would do that. And that's exactly what he did. So, and it wasn't just, it didn't just work just because he was a mechanical genius. It worked because he was a marketing genius. Mm. But we can do the same thing. So if you go after the affluent first, there's a lot of benefits, but, and we go through that in the book, just how kind of that plays out. But I will tell you this, you, you would be shocked, and I was shocked to find out, the more time that I spent with the best of the best of an industry, and you and I have both been around the same people because we have a lot of ties to real estate, right? right? Right. When you get around the best of the best in the industry, you realize a couple things. Number one, they are always interested in something that's new that has the potential for growth. Yep. They have a high tolerance for uncertainty, risk, yep. and mistakes. Absolutely. Right? 
and they all know each other. So if you do really well for one, you're going to get referrals into other really high-level influential people. Right. That's a lot of benefits, right? Right. So that's what I encourage people to do is let's – like if you're going to go after a smaller group of people first anyway, why not go after those people first because it will actually make your product or service better. It will generate incredible referrals from really credible people that everyone else in the industry knows. And then, man, you're off and running. It just opens up a whole new range of options. Love that. Um, by the way, we're talking with Matt Johnson here on A New Direction in uh, books called Microfamous. Available Amazon bookstores near you. Please, please pick it up. I'm just telling you, you're going to want to read this book. You were, I'm serious, people. You're going to want to read this book. It's This book, do you know this book caused me to fire somebody? Oh, <laughs> I did not know that, but that's hilarious no. and terrible. No, no, it, no, because I was like, I was going to take on, well, actually, I didn't quite fire them. I just decided to say, you know what, we're not going to continue this discussion because I realized I was going to try to take on a client that was just not the right fit. And okay. I started reading and I was reading and I go, you know, what are you doing? You know better than this. I knew better than this, right? But I was like, ah, you got some time, you know, go ahead, do it. You got the time to do it, right? And then I started looking, I go, but you know, you're going to hate it. You're going <laughs> to hate it. What are you even thinking? And so then I said, listen, you know what? Um, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I think you need to find somebody else. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is it's very encouraging to do this. I want to move into part two, the system part, mm-hmm. because we really need to talk about the new media machine. And I, because I, this is really kind of the crux of a lot of what you do. This is the middle section of the pyramid for me. Um, so let's let what is the new media machine and why? Because you've designed this is part of your clear and compelling idea, and mm-hmm. let's just be open and honest about it. It really is. This is part of you. The new media machine is part of your clear and compelling idea. So what is it? How does it work? And why should somebody want to do this? Okay. Not necessarily in that order. Well, why why they should want to have a new media machine in place in their business is so that they don't have they can grow their business without hating their life. That's mm. the short answer. Good, right? Because uh, if you're you know we talked about the whole Gary Vee spend 14 hours a day on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook looking for clients like that's one approach and brute force does work. Um, but if you don't want to hate your life, there's a different way. And to me, that we're in an interesting niche of time where a couple of things are happening. Number one, uh, organic reach across the board, mostly on Facebook especially, is going down, right? So it's harder to reach people on platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn and or, or and Instagram. Uh, a lot of times, the same hundred or 150 people are seeing our posts. Yep. Okay. So that's happened. Like if you if you Google right now, if you just Google like Facebook organic reach, it's basically a bunch of graphs that look really bad and they all go down to the right. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> it's a fun little exercise. Uh, it's not, there's not a single graph I see that goes up. But anyway, um, so, so you've got a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and business owners that are going, okay, well, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, like they're not working as well as they used to. Okay, now what? Okay, well, let's run some ads. Let's throw some money at it. Great. Um, go get the book 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. And not only is it amazing, but you'll also figure out that that strategy takes about 12 to 18 months to get right. You can, in certain select cases, it can go faster, but paid traffic comes easy to no one. It is right. a fickle mistress. Let's put it that way. Yep. Uh, it, uh, it, yeah. uh, it's definitely not, it's not, it has a steep learning curve and nothing stays the same. So that's not an easy answer. So I think a lot of people are just caught in that. They're caught in that cycle of, I don't know what to do. I know what I'm doing isn't working. And I think I may sh- maybe should start throwing money at, but, at it. But when I do, it doesn't work right away. And, and that's true. It doesn't work right away. And the answer to that right now is podcasting. 
So starting with being a guest and then eventually launching your own and then taking chunks of that podcast content and putting it on social media is the best and easiest answer for the majority of people that are like that, who you want to grow your business, but you also don't want to hate your life. You want to enjoy social media when you're there, but you don't want to be obligated to be there 15 times a day. You don't want to be taking seven selfies a day for Instagram. Like you don't want to do those things, but you want to connect with the right people. Those people are out there and they're listening to podcasts to solve their problems. So go where they are. And that's the heart of the new media machine is get featured on podcast, start your own podcast, and then leverage that content. I, I'm, I'm going to, can I, can I play a little bit of devil's advocate? Cause I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but can I play a little bit of devil's advocate? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, Feel free to, to absolutely uh, tear apart my No, phone. I'm not going to, no, 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 no. I'm going to do it because I can, I'm, I'm hearing people in my headphones, right? And I, I don't wear headphones. I wear those things like you're wearing, right? I've, these are literally yeah. stage monitors that I've got in yeah. my ears, right? And so I'm in my stage monitor. I have, you know, some of my people yelling at me going, Matt saying I need a podcast. I can't podcast. What what do you mean I got a podcast? Matt, you've lost your mind, Matt. What do you, (laughs) stop it with the podcast. What what are you talking about? I can't do that. Okay. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Well, that's why I say start by getting, getting, Featured as a guest first. Well, how because, do I do that? How do I how do I do that, yeah. Matt? Oh, that's that's very easy. That's very easy. Um, so I've I've got a training for that. But even if you just started by reaching out to people on LinkedIn, I guarantee you, if you search your LinkedIn connections for podcast host, you'd find some people. And if you just reached out to them with a very simple message, just saying, "Hey, I come ac- came across you in your show. It looks like I." I speak to the same audience as you do, and I might be able to provide some value. Here's what I like to talk on. Let me know if you're interested. Super simple. One paragraph message, even if you just did that to the people that you're already connected to on LinkedIn, uh, I guarantee you get some podcast appearances. So start there, start very simple, start very slow, and then you can ramp it up from there. Yeah, listen, I, Matt and I had this discussion before we went on air. You know, we, I, I didn't get into this, start doing this whole podcasting thing right away. It took me years before I started my own podcast. I did tons of podcasts you know, I, I started in 2015 or 2014. I was doing podcasts as a guest and did it for years and before I decided to do my own show, right? Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's really the point. The point is that, and, and you make this point in your book. You say you could hire a PR agency, but that it, it's really, there's, we've got better, we've got just as good ways, right? I mean, because you mm-hmm. you're going to spend a lot of money but it may not it, it may not give you the return you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know one very uh, very prominent PR person um, who was used to getting people featured in traditional media all the time. Guess what she's doing now? Pitching people to podcasts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, I mean, do you know I'm booking November, right? Because oh, for I, your show, yeah. Yeah, I'm booking November because I've got publicists and PR people trying to get their authors on the show. Yep. Exactly. Right. So Matt, listen, uh, we've been on for an hour and you have been a tremendous guest and I have enjoyed it. I hope you've had fun. I've had a blast with you. Yeah, me too. I would love to have you come back sometime. Would you be willing to come back and do some more of this? I would be happy to anytime that would, it would be, it would be awesome if we could do that somewhere down the road. Um, and you know, because we didn't even talk about, you know, why maybe you should or should not write a book. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. We didn't talk about a number of things uh, when it comes to – we haven't talked about any tactics and there's a whole bunch of strategy. But listen, so Matt, um, 
the show's called A New Direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life or their career or their business. If Matt Johnson, author of Microfamous, uh, could leave us with a new direction, what would his new direction be? Uh, I've been thinking a lot about self-talk lately. So pay attention to your internal dialogue. That, that. that will set you in a new direction. All great leadership starts with self-leadership. Awesome. And Matt, how do we find you? Getmicrofamous.com. And so listen, folks, here's what I do, right? I do a blog post of, and when we do the show, there's a blog post associated with backlinks to Matt's uh, website. So you'll see backlinks to his website. You'll get backlinks to his blog uh, and as well as backlinks to the book so that you can get the book immediately online from Amazon, wherever he's at. So I will have all of that in the blog. So make sure when you when you click on that, you do that. You'll see it all written up wherever you're, wherever you're at, right? If you're on iTunes or wherever, there's a write-up. You'll see all that information. And folks, will you do me a favor, right? You listen to my show week after week, and you have been so gracious. I know you've got tons of choices. I thank you so much for choosing this show. Will you do me a huge favor? Will you go to your favorite podcast player and give me a review? You know, just, just give me, just give me a few stars. Like five. That would be awesome if you would do that. Would you do that for me? I appreciate it. If you just give me a little five-star review and just say, hey, listen, the show's great, or whatever you want to say. But I would really appreciate that. Folks, this is the show, right? Matt was better than advertised. As I say to you every week, you know what? Be inspired. Because when you're inspired, that means that you will inspire other people. And in turn, they become inspired and they start inspiring others. And you know what? That makes this world a great place. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book, and it's going to be another great show, I promise. And as I say to you every week, ciao, everybody. The time has come for a new direction. your confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time to find a new direction a brand new day a new direction things are gonna change Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength